Yeah, good. Awesome. So I brought some colleagues from the team. It's awesome. Hector and, and Matthias, as you already know. Awesome. So where are you <laughs> from? You know where we're from? <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere in Europe. We are based in Linz, Austria. So uh -huh. it's the, the third largest city in Austria. Oh, awesome. Yeah, but we are quite an international team. So yeah. not sure how many countries we have. So Hector yeah. is from Spain. I'm from Austria, but we're, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we have like 25 uh, different countries right now. You have developers there? Yeah. <laughs> no, as we have we have employees from 25 different countries. Ah, yeah. We are the headquarters here in Linz and we have another office in Vienna. Uh-huh. And so you have like trainers in 25 different countries. <laughs> no, no, only the employees only. come from there. So but they are all coming to Linz, so uh -huh. quite interesting here in the office. <laughs> it's like people streaming in and out. Yeah. yeah. But Hector is here for yeah, I'm here months. Like, yeah, almost okay. three months. Yeah. Uh -huh. I'm one of the new ones. Are you new to development as well? Or no, you got some Ember experience already, so Yeah. Oh, nice. I was working with Ember in my previous company for a one year and a half. And later I was doing some members on my side in some separate. So yeah. I actually I, I switched to that company because well, not in the, in the in the past one, I wasn't doing Ember, so I switched uh, to that one because I know that they were using Ember. And, well, not just because of that, but it was one of the of the factors. So he came for Ember. <laughs> <laughs> That's been a reason for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So any employers listening to this, people will come to your company if you use Ember, <laughs> and avoid you if you use other yeah, things. Yeah, Ember is <laughs> awesome. And uh, so, Matthias, do you work on the development team as well? Yeah, so we are both on the JavaScript frontend, uh, on JavaScript team. So we have dedicated teams for backend development and frontend development. Yeah, we are both working on the, on the frontend team, mainly doing JavaScript development. And since a couple of years, we are using Ember now. So I had a look when we first started, and it was back in 2012 when we uh, oh, started. Oh, you guys were brave. <laughs> yeah, it was a was a tough ride, but yeah, we started off with uh, with integrating Ember apps in our existing Ruby on Rails uh, mm -hmm. platform. So we were having them inside the page in combination with other JavaScript parts, like the the old jQuery stuff we have. And yeah, now we are switching more and more parts of our page over to Ember. So. We're using dedicated Ember-only apps. With M we are building using Ember CLI. Mm -hmm. And over the last, you guys started with something else completely server side, and then you're taking it piece by piece and going towards Ember. So you never had to have a huge rewrite. Well, yeah, we had a huge rewrite in the yeah. past, but the old thing basically grew very big. So it it has been quite difficult to handle. So we at the beginning. Uh, the company grew very fast and uh, features have been added without too much thought on how to maintain them in the future. It's a very startup story. <laughs> yeah, it's, I guess it's the same for many companies, but we don't have the resources to do a, a rewrite of the whole platform. And I think it wouldn't be a good idea because we are not that agile if we do a rewrite of the whole platform and it would 
just take too much time. So we are taking an iterative process. So we are, it has its benefits, but also drawbacks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know a lot of companies are like, they're scared of having to, if they move to a JavaScript framework, rewrite their entire app in it. Yeah. I think one drawback we, we are seeing is that we are running multiple Ember apps. So when you replace stuff at two different points on the page, you, and they are not really connected. It mm. doesn't make much sense to put it all in one Ember app. So we split it up. Yeah, I'm working with a company right now that's doing uh, something similar. They have half a dozen Ember apps, and it seems to be working out fairly well for them. And they've got some add-ons that share their uh, data models between them. Yeah, I guess it's somehow similar what we do. So I guess we have five apps right now so, yeah. mm -hmm. for the standalone apps, and we have more apps which are still embedded in the race code, so which are not in Ember CLI, but... We might upgrade them at some point, but these are smaller ones just for in-page features. Uh-huh. So the ones that don't necessarily have to change as much. Yeah, and uh, but we are thinking also about merging some of the apps. So we have some apps which have many common parts, and we might merge them into one to benefit from not having to do a page reload and uh, fetching the resources twice. Mm -hmm. And we also already put in some work to... Uh, so we, we split up all the vendor uh, JavaScript from, from the applications mm -hmm. so we can reuse them across these five applications we have. Yeah. So we, we save on resource fetching and stuff. Oh, so you've done a, uh, like you've cached a bunch of it separate from the Ember app itself. It's not quite optimal yet, but what we are doing is we are bundling the, the vendor the JavaScript. Uh -huh. And it's the same for, for all applications. Uh-huh. So. The, the user doesn't have to fetch a, the Amber payload five times when he browses through the, the system. Yeah. Huh, I hadn't thought of doing that before. <laughs> <laughs> actually, tricky, actually. But yeah, it's working well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it sounds like you guys are on the path. Like, a lot of people, like, are trying to split their Rails apps into microservices. And you're trying to build your Ember apps back up from microservices to something more monolithic. Yeah, somewhat. I think we are not going to be monolithic. So what we experienced in the past is that deploying the Rails platform is, has become more and more difficult and it was taking longer with the asset pre-compilation and stuff. And it was just too connected. So it was, you could only deploy the entire uh, front end basically at once and uh, yeah. with all the server code from Rails. And it wasn't agile enough and now we can deploy it the apps all independently, and it helps us a lot to iterate more quickly from the independently from the backend and do faster deploys and uh, do version deploys and test on production. And so, are you guys using Ember CLI deploy? Kind of. So, uh, I guess we were quite early on this. So, mm -hmm. we basically have the same solution like Ember CLI uh, deploy, but we build it on our own. But yeah, it's, it's fairly simple. So we upload the, the HTML to Redis and have some versioning there. And the, the assets go to go through, through CloudFront. And Did you set that up completely independently before you heard the idea? Uh, no, I think it was inspired by the, who was doing it first at uh -huh. C or something. Uh, right, back when he was just like telling people. 
and there yeah. wasn't an add-on. No, we did it before there was an add-on. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, some of our colleagues contributed a lot to the uh, to the deploy add-on. So it's yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for contributing back. That's huge. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we often struggle to find the time to contribute, but yeah, mm -hmm. it's it's important. Yes. Yeah. And so uh, we've been sort of jumping all over uh, the outline here. Before we go farther in the company, so tell me a little about yourselves. Have you always lived in Austria? Like, well, you just moved there. Yeah. <laughs> So I was born in Austria mm -hmm. and yeah, I also studied here and I'm with Fantastic since 2011. Uh, I was part-time employee first, but um, yeah, working here for quite some time and it's so I've seen the, the good and the bad times of the JavaScript development. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> How is the JavaScript community there? Here in Linz? Yeah, I think it's fairly good for the, for the size of the city. So the yeah. size has a, the city has about 200,000 people and... Yeah, it's yeah. We have one meetup. For instance, the last one we have like forty attenders on the meetup. So I think it's quite well. It's not bad. Mm -hmm. it's nice oh, that's really good. Yeah, our yeah, Ember meetups don't have that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there was good effort with the meetup in here in the city. But I guess many companies are still having problems to find good uh, and experienced JavaScript developers. It's just becoming more and more important all the time. And, the two less developers. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a. I don't think that's just a Lens thing. Yeah, it's <laughs> just a JavaScript thing. Yeah. Which uh, I was going to do this at the end, but while we're on the topic, are you guys hiring? Yeah, yeah. we are hiring. Yeah. So everyone should check out fantastic.com/career, and you can find our current openings. And right now, we're also looking for another senior and junior developers on the JavaScript team. Awesome. And uh, I'm planning on releasing this sometime in January, and you guys will still be hiring, likely. Not yeah. necessarily for an exact position, but... Yeah, I think any application is welcome, so we are, if there are interesting yeah. people, they are always considered, I guess. Awesome. All right, and so uh, how did you come to Ember? Like, did you make that journey with Runtastic, or did you come separately? Yeah, I did the journey with Fantastic. I guess it's different for Hector, but uh -huh. I think we started step by step. So we grew into it with doing little features based on Amber and then trying to find a solution how we can stay agile when growing the the entire system. And mm -hmm. Amber was a good fit. Yeah. So in my case, it was like one year and a half ago. It was a company in Barcelona. And when I just landed here, there, sorry, uh, they just were planning with Ember for like two months or something. They were trying to, well, they have like a similar problem that we have here. They have like a monolithic voice application uh, and they were trying to switch like to a completely JavaScript application. So they tried uh, some backbone in the beginning and they were not totally sure of if backbone will be uh, the right tool for the we wanted. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, they switched to Ember, and with the time they really like it. Finally, they stick on Ember. It works. It works really, really nice. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've noticed that transition a lot, where uh, people like they start out with Backbone and they get really excited about it, then they run into a wall, yeah. and then start transitioning to something else. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it, for us it hasn't always it has always been some sort of challenge with Ember to stay up to date and also in the beginning that there were a lot of features missing which we needed to reach the state we have now. Uh-huh. Like Ember CLI deploy you sort of built those in parallel. Yeah, things like that, but I guess there are points like the deploy from a development perspective. Uh-huh. Also from the feature side like things that developed over time like improvements on the router or query params. Uh-huh. which were not there from the beginning. But. Right. So do you guys have your own versions of the router and query params that you're working with? Uh, no, we are using the default ones, but we are still on, uh, we are not on Amber 2 yet. But Yeah, yeah that, it seems the uh, 1.10 to 2.0 transition has been difficult for larger companies. Yeah, I think we, do, we always try to, to don't fall back too much behind because... I think it's easier to migrate in smaller steps than yeah. in, in larger ones. But uh, we had some some larger launches from the Amber apps in the in the last few months, and then we just had we couldn't spend time or on upgrading to 2.0. And mm-hmm. there were two obvious benefits of doing it right now, so we might do it some at some point, but maybe not for all apps. Yeah, I mean, when I only worked with smaller apps, I definitely thought like, oh, upgrading is so easy. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> once you start getting the larger things, I mean, it's not as bad as some other libraries or frameworks, but it's not super easy either. Yeah, yeah, I think it should be easier than upgrading to Angular 2 or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we use a f- quite a lot of, of third-party add-ons as well, and not all of them are that yeah. quite maintained, uh, so well maintained maybe. And then, as soon as you need to start, uh, you start touching third-party add-ons. It becomes becomes a lot of time you need to put in to upgrade. And yeah. Do you think are there any replacements for these unmaintained third-party add-ons? Most of the time, I think yes. I think there's a lot of development going on, but sometimes some add-ons get abandoned, also with version changes that you don't need them anymore, or things like that. Yeah, if the uh, add-on never attracts the second contributor. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes. I mean, we are we are focusing on, or we're trying to have, not to use alpha code from outside, but <laughs> it might happen. But Yeah, it's... Uh... It's getting easier and easier to avoid that. I know for a while that was uh, very yeah. difficult. For example, last year we had sometimes we had issues with uh, with uh, party add-ons which which didn't have their dependencies fixed. So mm-hmm. when they were implicitly updating their uh, their dependencies, when you re- reinstall them, and then they sometimes broke. We wasted a lot of time on that, but then, yeah, we, you can fix it with NPM shrimp prep and things like that to ensure that you, you don't change the versions accidentally. Uh-huh. So they would uh, update the versions that they're relying on without updating their version. Yeah, it was. this happens when, when they don't specify a fixed version yeah. on their dependencies. And then when you reinstall, the the work just uh, changes to the latest one, and then maybe a bug is introduced, or it's just not compatible anymore. Ah, yeah. oh, that's uh, that's good fun. Yeah, for it, then it works for the one developer, and the other one reinstalling it can't work anymore. So it's <laughs> fun, yeah. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been wondering what the use case for shrink wrap was because I've been frustrated with it, and you always wonder when you're frustrated whether something's necessary. 
Yeah, actually, we used shrink wrap for some time, but we, we dropped it again because it was a little, it's, it also wastes a lot of time you having always to update it. Mm -hmm. I guess it's probably good for if you have a project that has a very restrictive versioning and is used by many people from outside. But for us, it's, it's fine now. So I guess. So how did you solve the problem that shrink wrap was originally solving? I think we are also the add-on development community got more uh, thoughtful about the, the, the versions that define as their dependencies. So mm -hmm. we're seeing less problems in the mm -hmm. in the last month. So so it's like the kid grew up. You don't need to lock the cabinets anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> somewhat like that. And if you hit some error like that when you use more of the popular add-ons, you you often find other people having the same issue yeah. and. When you Google it, five minutes later, there's an issue in GitHub or we open it on mm -hmm. our own and then it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the great thing about having a larger community now. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't always like that. How was it watching the Ember community grow up? In, in our case, we were in the previous company, we were uh, quite influenced by the founders of, of Ember because we have so many... Uh, backend developers that they were following like uh, the Huda Cat and they were uh, also like uh, Tom Dale. And about the, the other main contributors, we don't really know them. I mean, we know that it, it were always like a, a small, uh, well, a small uh, community to compare it, I don't know, with Angular or something. Mm -hmm. But we always thought that it was like the, the people there was like really motivated about uh, making the community better and better. Uh, yeah, I think that in, in one year it has uh, been improved a lot with the, for instance, with the Slack channel. Uh, sorry, the Slack community is quite active. We do something in every channel. So you always get like a response in some minutes. So I'm happy with it. Yeah, I think generally the, the core team made a lot of good progress in stabilizing the development with aligning the versions with Ember data and things like that. I think that helped a lot also for starters to know which versions to use along and uh, how to get started. Yeah, that's huge. So, yeah, that's the sort of recent development. How was it back in the beginning? <laughs> Tell us stories of the old days. The old days. Mm. <laughs> So okay, you don't have to. Some of the things I don't remember, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, it has been a lot more difficult. I think it still can happen that you you have to read the source code to understand how it's working because the documentation isn't fully up to date, and or you yeah you struggle to find or the the documentations don't add up from with the user guides and the API documentation. And I think it has been a lot more difficult before and. Also, before Ember CLI came up, it was just way more difficult to yeah. to get new developers up to speed. And yeah, yeah, and actually, the, I, I miss it a lot in the beginning, like uh, guidelines for whenever you want to add new third-part uh, uh, libraries. It was uh, a bit like just implement it like in your own uh, build process. But right now, you just have to do like Ember install, and it works like in one minute. So I think that. I remember when uh, Ember CLI was, when the add-ons were just getting into beta and like the people I was working with at the time were talking about it like it was the promised land. Yeah. I was like, and then we'll have add-ons and <laughs> everything will be beautiful. Yeah. One thing I especially found hard about Ember was always the naming conventions. So before Ember CLI, it was, you had, you got less idea how the, the, 
all the files should be structured and named. I think MSCLI helps there a lot and it's getting better. Yeah, definitely. And I, for one, am excited about the new pod structure that they're uh, working on right now. Do you guys know about that? I think it. I'm not sure if it works fine for larger projects, or maybe it does, but we haven't yet tried it. But I guess uh, the structure of having them separated by the type of class, but yeah. Yeah, um, in Austin, Robert Jackson came and gave a talk about the new pods, which okay. are like, because the old pods, like you're saying, they have problems in larger organizations, but they're working on a newer version of it. Okay, I didn't know that. That wasn't yet. really a great question since it relied on local knowledge. <laughs> yeah, interesting. It's good to know, I guess. So what we have in the in our apps is we, we have Embassy LI add-ons on our own. So for sharing code between the applications and it's not always easy to if you're not involved all the time or if you're starting at our comp or at the project, you need to get an overview which parts of the application are in which add-on and it's not always that easy to maintain, but it has its benefits. So, Do you guys do semantic versioning for your internal add-ons? Yeah, we're versioning them. So it's not always, I mean, the versioning isn't that meaningful all the time because we often have, when you have to fix something on an add-on, you just bump the patch version and then you upgrade it on all the projects. And that's yeah, not that meaningful for the, from a versioning <laughs> few because, yeah. That makes sense. No reason to spend like an extra two days making a, or I guess you could end up being on version like 27.08 eventually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We try to, to get it more aligned and also for the, for the applications themselves. We don't actively version them because we only use them internally or we, we are not, the Git log is basically the change log and we are not applying it on NPM versions or something like that. Cool. And you guys, uh, do you use GitHub for that? Uh, no, we're using an internal Git server. So we're doing pull requests or it's an internal system, but uh, nothing in the cloud. <laughs> <laughs> Security. Yeah. Don't want yeah. people knowing where your runners are going. <laughs> so uh, one more question. Uh, so I know you guys have mobile apps. Are those based off the Ember app? Uh, no, basically all of our mobile apps are native. So we're doing native development on iOS, Android, and Windows Phone. And but we are right now we are evaluating projects with React Native, and we're using uh, code we have on the Ember apps inside the mobile apps of some kind, trying to do more code reuse on the side. Uh-huh. It's only starting yet, so it's the apps itself are all native. Yeah, and it's definitely uh, getting bigger in the framework world with React Native. And I know there are a few Ember projects that are getting off the ground now. Might not be as mature as React Native, but they're getting there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what we have is, or what we might also do in the future is to have web views with Ember in the in the app, not for for core functionality, but displaying some sort of content. And uh huh, yeah, reuse is a smart way to go. <laughs> Yeah, I mean the native development it has a lot of benefits, but uh, we have a we have a lot of developers doing the the uh, Android and iOS development. So uh huh. So should we keep this one secret from the Android and iOS developers? Not tell them about it. This podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they also like the new approach. I guess it's it's 
an interesting ride to try new technologies. Yeah. Uh-huh. Cool. We're about done with our time. Is there anything else that you want to tell people before we head out? I know you guys are hiring. <laughs> yeah, we are hiring. So all departments, also the mobile developments, everyone who's interested and is likes to come to beautiful Austria. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Do you want to talk up Austria? <laughs> yeah, I think people need to see it on their own. It's not, can't explain in words. Yeah. Tell us about the uh, how you're dealing with performance in your apps. Yeah, <laughs> so I think it's always a challenge. So we, it wasn't always uh, the main focus of uh, during the development. So we are having some difficulties, especially on the Android side. So yeah. I mean, from the Android perspective, there's not much we can do about it from of some sort. But we're at least trying to optimize our code that we are we are smooth there. But uh, yeah. yeah, we are not happy with the page load times of some of our apps. So it's, I think we are focusing on right now. Yeah, I remember hearing that Android is, I think, three to five times slower in general JavaScript, not just Ember. Yeah, yeah. And now that we have more and more uh, Ember apps, it's a lot of JavaScript, and we're mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. we are suffering on this side a little bit, but. So how do you guys deal with, uh, like, do you profile? Uh, what techniques do you use? Yeah, I personally uh, use the, that plugin called Ember DevTools, which uh, you can, well, it's quite basic, but you can just um, lock the render in time or each component, and you, uh, you can easily uh, have an overall of, all the time your application is spending in every like component, and you more or less can guess which is which are the slower components, at least in the rendering time. Mm -hmm. So you can see that like seventy percent of your rendering time is taken up by this iterations of this one component. So you should yeah, focus right. there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I guess when it comes to the framework code, it's. Uh... The Chrome Dev tools or some things like that are not always that helpful because uh -huh. it's just too difficult to identify the the reason of some components being slow. But yeah. I mean, clearly, the problem is backburner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean. That's where all my errors come from. Yeah, you name it. Yeah, it's. But uh, yeah, also at some when you when talking about Android or something, it's just you feel it that it's slow. You don't have to even measure it. It's just uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are there any techniques for counteracting the slowness that you guys discovered, or that have been really useful for you? So yeah, generally the usual best best practices for web performance. We are trying to remove blocking stuff, which is blocking the render and. Yeah. Uh, Reducing uh, on requests we which are done before the, the rendering can start and things like that. Yeah, so getting rid of the on requests is what you want to do, right? <laughs> yeah, we, on some pages we have a lot of requests and it's not always easy. And to, we also have to reduce CSS complexity of some kind. So CSS file has grown pretty big in, for some applications. And, I consider that as a developer problem, but not always as a load speed problem. So it's interesting that that's affecting that. 
Yeah, it's definitely some of the things come from developers not focusing on the performance during the development and other things you you just don't consider from the beginning or you mm. you don't imagine how big the impact is of 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 smaller things, but they might have a, a large impact on the performance. Yeah. All right, cool. Thank you for that. And I think we'll actually end it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for coming on. Okay. Thank, thank you, you for having us. This is the end of the show, but here's a message from our sponsor, our sponsor who happens to be me. So I run emberscreencast.com. If you're an intermediate level developer, then this site is for you. So you've read your introductory book and you're ready to get started, but you're not quite into reading the source code yet. So I go and I explain some of the basics, but I also explain cool add-ons and some intermediate to advanced topics as well. So go ahead and check out emberscreencast.com. Two screencasts released every week for the intermediate Ember developer. I hope to see you there.